Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Kei te whakaronga mai, koe ki tō tātou au horihori, hei hōtaka e pāna ki te putaio, te taio, me te kaupapa o te ora. You're with our Changing World on RNZ National. I'm Alison Balance, and now... Biological collections are a treasure trove of information about our natural world. There are 29 major taxonomic collections in New Zealand held in various institutions. Together, they contain over 12 million specimen lots, and some of those lots contain many, many individual items, from vertebrates, invertebrates, plants, fungi, microorganisms, to fossils. In late 2015, the Royal Society Te Aparangi produced a report on national taxonomic collections in New Zealand, which raised concerns about their uncertain future. They cited problems due to short-term funding, fragmented and uncoordinated management, lack of legal protection, and a small and ageing pool of experts with the knowledge to both use and look after them. Marine biologist Wendy Nelson chaired the expert panel that prepared the report, and here she is in an interview on Our Changing World at the time that report came out. We think that if we had better coordination and better investment in this infrastructure on a long-term framework, there would be much better outcomes for New Zealand. This is a long-term activity, and it needs to have that kind of framework around it, we shouldn't actually have to be thinking about funding for a collection where there's specimens that were collected on Cook's first voyage to New Zealand, justifying the existence of those specimens year on year. Those collections are part of our heritage, but they're also part of our scientific um, history, and we need to be able to be building those collections into the future. So a better need for national coordination, a better need for... Uh, more certain long-term funding. That's right. And and a way of um, prioritising into the future. The area has been eroded for various reasons over quite an extended period, and we're now getting to the point where we have a critically small workforce, and that's an issue around funding and resourcing. New Zealand's National Museum, Te Papa Tongarewa, is home to four major natural history collections, vertebrates, which includes marine mammals as well as birds, plants, fossils and invertebrates, including many mollusks. Early last week, news broke of a proposed restructure at Te Papa that includes job cuts that experts say could seriously compromise the collections. Among the many concerned scientists I've spoken with is New Zealand paleontologist Trevor Worthy, who's based at Flinders University in Australia. He has a long connection with Te Papa and is responsible for tens of thousands of specimens lodged in the fossil collection. Most of them are fossil bones of animals from my work, looking at the uh, distribution through the quaternary of birds and reptiles and frogs from New Zealand, but also South Pacific. And the primary lot is the very large and internationally important collections from St. Bathans in central Otago, which are early Miocene in age, and the only site that documents the earlier assembly of the New Zealand avian fauna. So what happens to these specimens once they're lodged with the, with the collection? 
the first primary purpose is, is to actually be vouchers for the, the assertions made in the descriptions or the publications that outline the results of the research. So if I say there is a moa species X present at a site, then anybody in the future can come along and verify or otherwise that statement or that assertion. So that's the fundamental point of science, that there has to be repeatability. Second, they form a resource for all future researchers, not just in New Zealand, but globally. So, for instance, MOA have been at the forefront of a lot of paleontology research in New Zealand for 150 years, but they continue to be so. And what happens now is that people from all over the world will come and look at these things and for a major reason at the moment is ancient DNA research or using the molecules in the bones, something that wasn't even contemplated when most of the specimens were put in the collections. And then they can use these bones um, to understand the, the patterns of diversity within a a family of animals or within a species across the landscape. And a good example was the kakapo, just very recently a publication in a, in a high-profile international journal that revealed that the ones we have today are just a mere fraction of the actual diversity there was 750 years ago through New Zealand. So I've just had a story on Our Changing World actually about that very research where it's very much a case of using things that for a long time no one had thought of using them that way. The technology wasn't available. And now you can reveal entirely new things from those collections that you never imagined. It is a resource that sits there as long as it's properly curated and managed. It will sit there essentially forever. And it is undoubted that there will be new uses happening. I mean, radiocarbon... Dating, for instance, wasn't a possibility before the 1970s, and DNA analyses weren't contemplated before the 1990s, essentially. So who knows what the next one will be, but they provide a resource from which we can examine the evolutionary history of our biota and understand how it was assembled, when individual species actually formed and how our whole fauna relates to others around us. Now, you mentioned curation and management. Can you tell me what it takes to curate and manage a collection like this and why that is important? The first thing about a collection is it needs to be stored in an accessible way, which means it has to be identified and catalogued and placed in a collection um, in a way which we can access the specimens and so usually a collection manager is able to do that. They they can identify the specimens they look at, then they can add the appropriate data that's associated with the specimen onto labels and into the computer and store the specimens in a way that will not damage or lead to minimal damage of them in the future. I mean, we can't guarantee there'd be no damage but we can try and minimise the damage and Every collection will have different requirements. For instance, mollusks have specific issues with the perostracum on the shells and um, finer bone specimens might be, have to be looked after in a different fashion to more robust ones. Then the collections themselves 
aren't a static thing. They they have to grow. I mean, we're in a a period of the most dramatic extinction event ever in, in the world at the moment. The biota around us is completely being altered beyond recognition, and it should be a function of a national collection to be gaining specimens of that biota and preserving them so that in another hundred years' time the people in our place now will be able to look back and see what it was that we had at this time and what it looked like. Blackbirds, for instance, or possums, have already evolved dramatically from when they were introduced a hundred years ago, and they're going to do so more in the next hundred years. But if we haven't got the foresight in the collections to make adequate collections across the country so that this ongoing evolutionary process can be documented, then we're going to be looked upon from future workers as rather remiss in our ability to manage and make collections. So what is your understanding of how this proposed restructure at Te Papa might affect the management of the natural history collections there? Well, it appears to be an ongoing denigration, essentially, because we've already lost significant numbers of managers to the collections. In in the 35 years I've been associated with the collections, we've lost approaching half of the actual workers, and by that I mean the collection managers and the curators who managed and made those collections. In the 1990s, we had experts in crustacea, echinoderms, mammals, and insects. We don't have any of those now in Te Papa. And others, major collections like salenterates and all the various worms, and certainly the insects are not curated or managed by um, anybody with knowledge over at least 95% of those collections. So the current understanding I have, I mean, I don't obviously know, but it's been suggested in the press that there might be three positions lost in natural history in the management zone and that these these will only leave one collection manager in botany and one in invertebrates and one in all of vertebrates. That would be reducing a skeleton crew to essentially an absolute critically skeleton crew that wouldn't be able to manage the collections. As a researcher, I should be able to ask the collection manager for what are the holdings for species X that has its left antennae present or something like that with some specific details. Now, if they remove all the collection managers who have any ability to identify a specimen and certainly any ability to know anything about the anatomy of such specimens, then they're not going to be able to address such basic questions. There's been a suggestion, too, I understand, about moving the collections, either perhaps vesting them in another organisation. There's been talk of that with the fish collection, perhaps going to Niwa, is what I've heard the CEO of Te Papa mention. There's also talk about moving the collection from Wellington to Auckland. Yeah, there's there's two parts to that. One is splitting the collection up. Now, now these collections are uh, the national um, collection for New Zealand's natural history. They are vested in the museum by an act of parliament to be looked after for the people of New Zealand. If you give away a part, a segment or one of those part collections to a CRI, you're essentially giving it to a private organisation. Those organisations have no act of parliament, no legal responsibility to maintain such collections. So 
So they might take it today, but there'd be absolutely nothing stopping them throwing it out tomorrow. And that would be quite irresponsible, I think, by the people who are currently vested by an act of parliament to look after the national collections. Moving it off-site, I understand that's primarily because of issues of the location in Wellington being prone to earthquakes, which I know about. The current building is probably the most robust building in Wellington of any kind. It's built specifically so it won't be damaged. If you move the natural history collections, that would probably be minimally 500 truckloads or something that has to move somewhere. I find it inconceivable that 500-plus truckloads can move without damage to that collection. But moving it anyway is not, to me, such a a big problem. The, The biggest problem is moving it and not maintaining the association of the curators and the collection managers with that collection. Because a curator who's fundamentally there for doing research to to heighten the value of a collection needs to have immediate access to the collection to take researchers in and develop collaboration and explain it to them, um, to have the specimens at hand to actually do the research. The collection managers obviously have to be with the collection to manage it, to to bring in the new specimens, to catalogue the, the new acquisitions and maintain the actual ones that are already there. The suggestion of moving it off-site to another presumably cheaper place to um, house, but somewhere where it's considered safe from a tectonic point of view, that isn't such a bad thing, as long as those collection managers and curators go with the collection and and are there in that off-site location. And off-site locations are used by all museums in the world. At the end of 2015, the Royal Society Te Aparangi did a review of national taxonomic collections in New Zealand and they raised a number of concerns about a lack of coordinated management, underfunding, a loss of expertise. This highlights all of those issues again, doesn't it? Absolutely it does. I mean, we, we have our national, if we put that word in inverted commas, in a series of disjointed collections around the country. I mean, GNS holds the national one for fossils. Landcare holds one for arthropods or insects mostly and another one for botanical specimens. Niwa holds a major collection for marine specimens. And Te Papa clearly holds a major one with millions of specimens for across all groups. This raises a major issue of consultation because the natural history collections in Te Papa are being held vested for the interests of all New Zealanders. And those New Zealanders include all the researchers and, and all the general public who have any interest at all in those specimens. And here we have Te Papa undertaking major management changes and not seeking the, the advice or the concerns of most of the interested parties because these collections are primarily used by people outside Te Papa. They're only used by Te Papa for a tiny little bit of outreach activities in the form of display. Their major use is to maintain the underpinning of the biodiversity of New Zealand and for that we have all the universities, we have all the CRIs and people all over the world who want recourse to those collections. And so those users, which include my group here in Flinders University and 
Australia, there's others in Adelaide University, probably most of the universities in Australia would be using Te Papa at one time or another. Plus, definitely all those in New Zealand certainly are. The other museums are and the CRIs are. So all of those people have an interest in what happens and how the collections are managed at Te Papa. And I think it's incredibly arrogant on the behalf of the current board and its director to consider they have no right to be involved in a consultation. Thanks, Trevor. That's paleontologist Trevor Worthy from Flinders University in Australia. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ National on the 26th of July 2018. Our webpage at rnz.co.nz/ourchangingworld is full of audio, photos, and useful links. You can sign up for our weekly email newsletter there too, and find our contact details. You can listen to us on the RNZ app and subscribe to us as a podcast in all the usual places, including Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public and Apple Podcasts. We also post links to all our stories on Twitter and Facebook, where we are RNZ Science. Thanks for your company. Bye for now. Na mihi. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.